This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And today we preview Seahawks and Commanders. Uh, before we do that, Logan, uh, I, we wanted to kind of take a little bit deeper dive into the the biggest talking point, I think, of the week in Commander's land, which is the improved protection for Sam Howell. And it's interesting to hear Howell talk about it yesterday as we record this on a Thursday. Uh, he talked about it Wednesday morning, and then Ron was asked about it and talked about it Wednesday afternoon at his press conference. And uh, everyone seems to think that the offensive line got better because the the debate slash commentary around sacks is the offensive line stinks or is good. And the reality is that it is much more global. There is a lot of factors going into this. So when you think about play calling, Sam's ability to get rid of the football and move in the pocket, um, the offensive line, anything else that goes into it, what are you actually seeing on tape that is causing this sack number to come down? Yeah, well, since uh, the New York Giants game, I think like Everything has gotten better with regards to the protection. Um, obviously, I think the main thing that I would kind of point to is there's been a huge um, kind of emphasis in terms of we're going to do more quick game. And that that to me is is maybe the most significant factor of everything. Everyone wants to say, oh, it's Sam, it's it's Larson, it's Chris Paul. It's just the play calling is, is, is more advantageous to promote positive pass pro. And what I mean by that is like when you when you go back and watch the first drives of these games, there's sequences because I chart quick game versus play pass versus five step drop. There's there's sequences where it's six consecutive quick game, you know, married with runs and screens, and they never really push the football down the field until they find that opportunity where they can do that. And I think that's something that people really undervalue when it comes to offensive line play and production. And one of the things that I think was really tough early in the season is you had this very effective pass game that lived in five-step drops. And, you know, I, I do some consulting with pass rushers around the league, and one of the things that I really emphasize is you are hunting and looking for the five-step drop. 
that's where you're going to get your production. That's where you're going to get your opportunity to get a sack. Because if you compare it even to, you know, Mac Jones last week uh, with New England, our rush couldn't really get going. But a big reason was because a huge point of emphasis for them was we're going to run a ton of quick game, we're going to run a ton of screens, and we're going to be very selective about when we push the ball down the field. And I think when you have an offensive line that is, you know, not the Philadelphia Eagles offensive line, so there's 31 other teams that are having this issue, um, you got to be very good about play calling. And I think one of the things that fans were frustrated when Chase and Montez were here is they're like, this off- the, the defensive line isn't productive. They're not you know, creating the pressure numbers or the sack numbers. But when every single team that played us understood where kind of the horses were on the defense and they and the offensive coordinators for the other teams called games that limited rush opportunities and i think that's been one of the 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 most meaningful factor in in my perspective is that eb's just done a better job of not letting defensive linemen get in a rhythm and tee off and uh, the other things are important they are they are relevant like sam's i think playing better i think he understands how to manage pressures a little bit better obviously like we talked about on the podcast earlier in the week, I think I think he can still grow in that area, but there has been growth. He understands where the ball should go. All those things are important, but I think it's the play calling that I would say that's the thing that is probably most affecting this this sack number. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And on a baseline number, before you even get into any uh, chess level football analysis, the checkers level is math. Like it's opportunities, yeah. right? Yeah. If there's just not, if the percentages stay the exact same. And let's say they, I don't think they have, I think they've come down because of those other factors that we've talked about. But even if they were to stay the exact same in terms of pressure to sack, if you're dropping back 50 times a game versus 30, that's going to result in way less sacks. And so on a sheer opportunity basis, EB has reduced the number with play calls of opportunities for Sam Howell to get sacked. You add in the fact that that has a second level, uh, you know, impact, if you will, a second layer to it, that it breaks the rhythm of those pass rushers, that they can't feel like they're, they're just learning how the tackle is setting. They're setting the same way pretty much every time because it's a five-step drop. They, they're understanding where we can get away with certain things. We know we have time to run a stunt or a game, which is something the commanders yeah. have struggled with because it's going to be five-step drop and we're not going to pull ourselves out of a run lane we're not going to pull ourselves out of pursuit of a quick game like we can we can do things as a pass rush unit that exposes an offensive line and exposes a quarterback and those have been i don't want to say eliminated but largely reduced like to normal levels so you can't eliminate them always uh, there's certain time score situations plus the benefits and the upsides of drop back passing are worth it um as long as you don't enhance the negatives and the downsides and so I think that the play calling is absolutely the biggest factor which is you know it's just funny that that's happened with the same or at the same time that you have two new offensive linemen and thus everyone is like oh it's definitely the two new offensive linemen that's the thing that changed and it's like well not it's it is but it's not the only thing that changed and and if we're really looking at it it's not the biggest factor yeah, and I think when you look at the New York Giants game, I think that's going to be kind of a key point this year for this offense is that they realized things had to change. And I think they did a pretty good job of overhauling it. And again, I think EB was kind of on the fringe of something from a play-calling standpoint in that game. But obviously... Said the ex- second half was way different than the first in that game. Yeah, and uh, the the execution just wasn't there. you know. And I think when they get into the last two games, the game against Philly, the game against New England, obviously New England is a defense lacking high level talent the the philadelphia eagles are a team that is very simple in terms of what they present to you so good opportunities in both cases to kind of get right 
Uh, but I think that EB's found kind of a play calling rhythm. You know, we mentioned the fullback the other day, like getting into different personnel groupings, presenting different looks, presenting different formations, all that stuff just gives the defense more stuff to think about, more stuff to process. And I think you mentioned the quick game stuff. When you are rushing on a three-step drop, it's almost impossible to generate any type of meaningful pressure from the defensive line. So if we can get in those situations and I can maximize those and find easy throws for Sam, that's awesome. And, and you mentioned the two offensive linemen. I don't want to make it sound like that they're playing poorly or anything like that. It's just sure. I don't I, I don't think the they're just not playing significantly better than the Correct. guys they replace. Yeah, and I and like I think there is people want to give Tyler Larson credit. And I think there there may be this is something you have to talk with Tyler about and talk with the staff about. Um, because you know the, the sack numbers come way down, I think Tyler does a pretty good job, or they've done a better job of identifying fronts and protections yeah. and things like that. Is that entirely um, Tyler, or is Sam taking more responsibility in that? Like, where does where do you assign credit in that situation? Um, but what we can say is that it is it's improved over the last couple of weeks. So I think there's a there's a lot of positive things coming out of this, but I think the catalyst for it all, I, and I I think this is pretty non-negotiable in my opinion is the play calling is more diverse and that, that diverse play calling is giving these guys an opportunity to kind of settle in and do some different stuff so hey it's greg hoffman from take command it's not just a podcast it's the 25th hour of your day your weekly source for all things commanders right on time your time a list of household chores do them without missing a beat and listen while you work in the car turn mundane drives into memorable moments with podcasts you can maximize productivity and minimize fomo we're on demand so we fit perfectly into your schedule follow take command in the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts yeah, no, definitely. I will say this about the offensive line. I think the thing that got misconstrued about what we and others who were trying to be like, no, it's not the offensive line, were, were saying is it wasn't that the offensive line was perfect, obviously, but it was also like the quality of the non-bad snaps. It wasn't like they were giving up pressures all the time. It's not like right. they were lo losing all the time in the run game or in pass pro. Like there wasn't a constant you know, amount of pressure on Sam there were some bad quick losses and yeah. some of those were the sacks. And so it felt a lot worse than it was, but if you're going to play 65 snaps and 55 of them are good and you have 10 bad snaps, like that's not great, but it's very different than if in those 10 snaps, you give up six sacks, then you maybe give up three sacks and 65 snaps, but 25 of them are actually bad because there's pressures. Yeah. There's, you know, Oh, you got to scramble and throw the ball away. Like, there was generally pretty good play on the plays that weren't really bad. And those numbers were in a good place in terms of the skew. And I think what has happened from the offensive line standpoint with Chris Paul, with Tyler Larson is some of the really bad stuff that did slip through has gotten cleaned up a little bit. So there, there's an extra three to five snaps a game, let's say where Nick Gates or city Charles might have lost quickly, whether it's physical or mental mistake that Chris Paul and Tyler Larson are doing a little bit better job and those half-second margins of even don't lose as quickly do make a difference in the NFL. Yeah, and I think, you know, in the Philly game, for example, like Chris and Charles like weren't on the same page all the time, and there was opportunities for pressure that you never see because Sam gets the ball out of his hand, right? right? Like, I think that's another thing that it's Sam understands kind of his role in the pass protection, I think, a little bit more, and it's not perfect, but it's getting better. And I, I think the thing that I go back to all the time is like when you look at offensive line play around the league, what the commander's offensive line was doing 
outside of the New York Giants game. And I know it's you can't take away games because that game happened, but it it's on its average. And I know fans don't want to hear that. I think because there's this expectation that you know, like Trent Williams was here, Brandon Sheriff, these like you know yeah. awesome kind of monoliths of offensive line play were here for a long time, and that's the standard for the position. But when you look at the the, the rest of the league, most of the offensive line is is average, and I think that they were well safely in that bucket and probably trending to the positive side. And I think you, you're getting to see now that positive line play that we were kind of trying to identify and allude to earlier in the season because of the play calling becomes Sam's doing better. And I, and I do think, you know, Larson's doing a good job and Chris Paul's doing a good job. And I think there is something there with kind of the bigger bodies creating a, a deeper pocket for him to kind of see throws a little bit more effectively. I think there is something there. We'd have to go back and do a more of a longitudinal look at the, the last uh, couple of games or whatever. But um, I think there's something there. But to me, it's it's this is what this group was. And are they going to still give up quick pressure? Yeah, they are. But can Sam get the ball out of his hand quickly? Yes. Why is he doing that? Because we're running more quick game. Because we're we're do we're not letting the defense get in a rhythm and attack us. We're staying out of third and long situations a little bit more effectively. All those things are contributing to this. And I think um, that's something that there there is a level of nuance and gray here that I think fans uh, need to understand. And I think that um, you know. I think I think we're trying to we're trying to pin that down for them. Yeah, and I will say this though: it, what it doesn't mean is that um, they sh- that that actually the O line is perfectly fine moving forward for Correct. the rest of the time. Sam here, like they can get better and they should get better because I think what you see in Philadelphia, for instance, is a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who, with elite offensive line play in front of him, can play at a ridiculously high level. And if right. you give that to Sam, like, I think he is also capable of playing at a really high level. Like if you can eliminate the thing that makes him, uh, or that, that is his biggest weakness, like without having to coach it out of him, just cause you protect him with an Alito line, that seems like a very good roster building strategy. And especially with the money and the picks that you're going to have, assuming that Sam is your guy moving forward, um, uh, because of the, or specifically over the next couple of years where he's on this rookie contract, like you have the ability to do that. You have the ability to go spend big money in free agency on whether it's a guard, whether it's a tackle, um, whether it's both, and then also get drafting someone high uh, in in April to to fill out that line. So like they should invest in the O line and take it from pretty average to really good or maybe even great. That is something that I would certainly endorse. I think you're with me in terms of roster building. But for now, understanding where they are in the current moment, I think that's how the the breakdown goes, if you will. Yeah, and a lot of teams have to kind of deal with like average. I think Minnesota is a great example, and you know Minnesota, like I think that is a perfect example of what we're talking about. The offensive line on paper is pretty average, right? Kirk did a great job of elevating that group week in and week out, getting the ball out of his hand quickly. And so, because you have all this money invested in Kirk Cousins from a contract standpoint, you can't invest it. And the offensive line. And so you kind of like take your lumps there and, and the quarterback has to elevate that group. But in this situation, like you're talking about, and like it was with Jalen Hurst when he first got in the league, or, you know, on, a, on his rookie deal, you can do make some investments along the offensive line that you wouldn't be able to make otherwise. Um, and that can elevate a young player for a couple of years. And so I do think there is a lot of merit to this idea. Like if you could get this offensive line, I don't know, 30% better this offseason, then I look at Sam and I say he's actually very similar to Jalen Hurts because Jalen Hurts holds the heck out of the football. It doesn't show up as sack um, as a sack statistic because that offensive line's so good. And I think that's a really interesting comparison. So you know, kind of for 
in, in a perfect world, like imagine if he's playing behind the Philadelphia offensive line, we're probably not even having this conversation. We don't even know this is an issue for Sam in terms of, you know, a high um, pressure to sack ratio. But I think, you know, this is good for him. I think this is good for him to learn how to how to develop his his pocket awareness, his understanding where the ball needs to be, his rhythm and timing in the NFL. Because if he can elevate this group, then that money can go elsewhere. It can go to the defense. It can go other places on the roster. I do agree. I think they will make an investment there at some point this offseason. But I think this is this is good offensive production um, with a with a solid group of offensive linemen that are overperforming a little bit. So I think that's coaching. I think all those things go into it. But to your point, um, it would be nice, yeah, if you had like a you know a wall in front of them, you felt pretty good about. But this is this is pretty common for for most teams in the NFL. Yeah, and you look at you know that's the way. Not saying that Sam's going to be Drew Brees, but that is the way Brees did it for all those years in New Orleans. He had studs in front of him. And they knew that that's what they needed. And if they did that, then Drew Brees could be Drew Brees. And so um, I think that's, again, solid roster building. Hopefully that's something the commanders are doing uh, this offseason, presuming that Sam does enough over the next eight games, uh, which are a heck of a test starting with Seattle this weekend uh, to prove that he is the starting quarterback for the future for this team. 